Hey, this is The Last Coffee House, and we are talking about the best of literature, Father Goriot. I read this about months ago, so I'm gonna do my damnedest to try to go through this, but I don't remember as much as I could if I'd read it more recently. That's my bad. That's my fault. But I am several books ahead, and I've been doing a whole bunch of other, you know, non-fiction books, and other books that have come up for re various reasons, so it's... This one, Father Goriot, the background. The author is Honoré de Balzac. It was published 1835 and his name is <laughs> just ripe for all sorts of puns and stupid jokes, so I will avoid that to the best of my ability. It's set in Paris in 1819 during the Bourbon Restoration. follows three characters. There's Goriot, the elder guy, the criminal Vautrin, and a law student, Eugene de Rastignac. I... <laughs> really should have studied French at some point. So Rastignac, Rastignac, it's G-N, right? So that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. Okay, gave rise to the French phrase Rastignac. Apparently they say that it makes me think of Ragnarok from Final Fantasy VIII and other Final Fantasy games. And I'm sure, you know, Norse mythology... <laughs> At some point, it was part of that. But that means, uh, so it's the name of the character, but it, it became a word that meant a social climber willing to use any means to better his situation. So that'll tell you a little something about what the book is about. It depicts kind of the mounting tensions between the aristocracy and the bourgeoisie. The aristocracy was just returning after the whole Napoleon thing. <laughs> And so there was a tension between the the people who were kind of the, the bourgeoisie produced by the Industrial Revolution and the aristocracy who was returning and still wanted to return to that. Their privileged ways being part of the aristocracy. But his writing, Balzac's writing, is characterized by a lot of detail and complex characters. So there's more depth in what was going on with the characters. So the content, it's set primarily in a boarding house where you have the three characters where they live. So you've got the elderly, Goriot, you've got Vautrin, the criminal, and Rastignac, who's kind of the protagonist-esque, although Goriot too, but I think it's, it's playing off the way they are situated to each other. The other characters often make fun of Goriot for bankrupting himself to support well-married daughters. It's an interesting setup, and you wonder what the author's relationship to this kind of a character is. So Goriot's just, he's bankrupting himself, spending everything he can to try to take care of his daughters who don't really need it from him. And Rastignac wants to be upper class. He eventually endears himself to one of, and they are going to be spoilers. Obviously, when it comes to these books, it's more about the, all of the things that are built into the writing as opposed to, oh, what is the plot? What happened in the plot, but, you know, if you want to go and read it yourself, find out what happens or anything like that, then you can you know, skip this, go read it, and then come back, and then you'll see, or listen to, then you'll get to listen to what I have to say about it as we're going through it. So, Rastignac endears himself to one of Goriot's daughters, the unmarried one as far as I, or is she married? I can't remember, I can't remember now. Vautrin suggests a rich, unmarried woman, he has this woman in mind that he knows who's rich and unmarried to, Rastignac says, no, go after this woman, and and he offers to kill the guy's brother. And you don't find out that Voltron is a criminal until you're getting into this, you know. But he offers to kill the woman's brother who's in the way. He's, like, protective of her and doesn't want anybody just sliding in. And <laughs> I don't mean... That's not like a... <laughs> It's not a euphemism. I, I, I meant just kind of stepping in, and I don't mean that as a more extreme sex. Okay, just, uh, he just, he'll kill him in a duel to get him out of the way so Rastignac can have the, the unmarried woman. So you find out that the police are after Vautrin. Rastignac actually, he declines this. He says, no, we're not doing this, but it's kind of an important moment in him seeing how people function. But he says, no, I don't want this. It's not going to work for me. Don't kill him. Uh, the police are after Vautrin. Vautrin arranges the 
murder of the woman by his friend. So he gets his friend to kill, not the woman, he gets his friend to kill the brother of the woman, despite Rasniak not wanting that. So uh, Goryat's supportive of Rasniak and his daughter, but he struggles with the fact that he's impotent and being able to do anything to help his daughters. Uh, you know, he spends everything that he has, but he can't do anything else. Uh, he becomes so distraught about this that he has a stroke. And one daughter doesn't even show up to the funeral, and the other comes too late to the funeral. Uh, the funeral is just attended by Rasniak, a servant, and two paid mourners. So that's kind of the thing. And as I was writing my notes for this, you know, I remembered some of these things, and it seems like it's a it's a really clean, simple setup, and it's pretty well. We'll go into some quotes here, but it's pretty pretty well written. But the the way that the themes are worked into the storyline is very well integrated. It's not something that seems like there are a bunch of frayed edges when it comes to working the themes in. You really get the understanding of what he's trying to say by dem by showing the storyline and the way the characters interact and who these characters are. So, uh, one important word related to this is buildings Roman. It's a naive young person who matures while learning the ways of the world. So that's the kind of story that it is. It's Rastignac maturing by seeing how Goriat's treated and who Vautrin is and how that all turns out. His last words, Rastignac's last words at the end of the book is, it's between you and me now. And he's speaking to the city. So it's like, okay, now I've matured and I can go move on to working in this world, trying to make my way in this world. And the thing that strikes him about this whole sequence is kind of the dispassionate and brutally realistic strategies that are required for the social success in this particular world, in our particular world. And there are some other themes about Paris and the harsh reality of progress and social mobility, because remember, this is just after you've got the French Revolution, you've got Napoleon, Emperor Napoleon, his loss at Waterloo, and all these things going on. It's an incredible upheaval that the French people are having to deal with at this point. So this is set right at that point when you're trying to figure out, okay, where's our history? Where are we going? What has changed like? You know, what does social mobility mean? And what what is a family relationship anymore? Uh, even in this, the idea is that the relationships are kind of cynical. They're just about the money or Goriot depriving himself to his own oblivion to try to help out his family to no real avail. So those are the kinds of ideas that are coming about in this book. And it's it's got this tenor or this kind of texture that just really is unique and significant. I mean, obviously the dark tone or cynical tone isn't particularly unique, but I think it's really well put together in the way that it gets across these ideas. Uh, here are some quotes just so we can get through some of these so you understand what the writing's like. I'm giving you my name like Ariadne's clue of thread to take with you into the labyrinth. Make no unworthy use of it. Nice reference to mythology. Okay. The transition was too sudden and the contrast was so... And it also because it, I think it was it Vautrin who said that. So he's saying that here's my name. This is your way out of the labyrinth when it comes to social success. And you just have to use my name, which is me having the guy killed so you can marry a wealthy woman to get out of that. I could be wrong, but, but I think that's what's being said there. The transition was too sudden and the contrast was so violent that it could not but act as a powerful stimulant. His ambition developed and grew beyond all social bounds. On the one hand, he beheld a vision of social life in its most charming and refined forms of quick-pulsed youth, of fair, impassioned faces invested with all the charm of poetry, framed in a marvelous setting of luxury or art. And on the other hand, he saw a somber picture, the miry verge beyond these faces in which passion was 
extinct and nothing was left of the drama but the cords and pulleys and bare mechanism. That is beautiful. Okay, that is well structured. Oh my gosh. Nailed it on that passage. It was creative, it was unique, it was saying something important while not being overly effusive or up its own, you know, with its ideas. It just, it has a, a great sound to it, great ideas. It's all packed into that one thing. I really like that one a lot. An idea, of course, gains enforced by the energy with which it is expressed. It strikes where the brain sends it. By a law as mathematically exact as the law that determines the course of a shell from a mortar. I like that one too, a whole lot, especially in thinking more about memetics now and how an idea actually impacts another human brain and how that functions and how it spreads throughout the rest of the population and how it's filtered and when somebody hears it and all that. That's just a really interesting idea. It's it's as mathematical, it's as certain as a shell from a mortar and it obviously that imagery is like it's an explosion, it's a force, it's an impact. And he can be talking about the idea of what society really is, how it's really built. He can be talking about the French Revolution and what that did to the society that they had, the aristocracy and what everybody knew to be the truth, that there needed to be a sun king at the top and, and everybody else just pays homage and, and sticks to your station. I mean, it could be talking about numerous things, but I really love that idea and that sentiment. What dolts you are, all of you. Have you never seen a convict before? A convict of Colin's stamp whom you see before you is a man less weak need than others? He lifts up his voice against the colossal fraud of the social contract as Jean-Jacques did whose people he is proud to declare himself. In short, I stand here single-handed against the government and a whole sub subsidized machinery of tribunals and police and I'm a match for them all. Wow. Throw it down, Vautrin. So the social contract, obviously, Jean-Jacques Rousseau's social contract and the noble savage and, and going all against society and this, this fake thing that we've put together and, and Vautrin standing up as a match against them all. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a good anarchist kind of a, a thing to say. So it's just a really interesting idea. I don't know, obviously, if the writer co-signs to it. He seems to have more kind of a hopeful thing by the end because it's Rastignac, it's Buildings Roman. He learns something and he gets somewhere. So there's hope in that, <laughs> that something's going somewhere. But Vautrin here seems to want to burn the whole thing down and say the social contract is BS. The whole world turns on fatherly love. Fatherly love is the foundation of society. It will crumble into ruin when children do not love their fathers. And it's a potentially tad sexist, <laughs> but it's it could have so much more truth than one would ever get it at give it at the time it was actually written, especially now that we're seeing what's going on today. Uh, the lack of a father in the home is actually highly, highly predictive of things going poorly for the kids that come there from. So it's not like predestined that things are going to go poorly, but it's definitely highly, highly correlated not having a father in the home to children having a really bad future. Uh, of course, as I've talked about before, and this is something that I hope everybody gets by now if they've been listening to things that I've been talking about, is that the fact that the father left in the first place could mean that the genes of the father are the type of genes that would create a kid that's not going to do very well. So we still have to balance out those ideas of nature and nurture, how much they're being influenced by medics as they grow up, and how much they are just acting out the things that are inbuilt, that are just things they were going to do no matter what. And of course, when it comes to the genes, those are just ranges of responses to stimuli. So it's going to depend somewhat on the way that they're stimulated going on for the rest of their life. But I really, I love the ideas that go on in this book. I'm definitely going to read it again at some point. It could definitely be one of those books that I pick up on a regular basis just to have another look at because there's a lot of wisdom in there and it's not as verbose as Dostoevsky. So I, I much appreciate 
appreciate that. And it's got a really nice setup with the trinity of characters that kind of represent different things. So that's Father Goria, and it is by Balzac, and it was quality. And let me know if you read it. Obviously, subscribe if you haven't. You can buy my book, my first ever book that's about literature. If you're not interested in literature, well, you probably wouldn't be listening to this if you're not interested in literature. Uh, but it's a, it's a relatively short read. It's on Amazon, and it looks at people's writings, just like amateur writers' writings, chapters from their books, and breaks them apart and tries to figure out what's good and what's bad, and then compares it to chapters from great works of literature. Not entire chapters from great works, but passages from great works of literature, so you can see the contrast there. But I like it a lot. I had a lot of fun writing it, but if anybody's interested, it's called John Shade Reads Aspiring Authors. If you search for that, you'll find it. And it's just on Amazon. Alright, so I appreciate the listening. I love going through the literature even more than the non-fiction. Non-fiction just it makes me so angry <laughs> so much of the time because the things that it tries to do without being sufficiently capable of doing those things. But when it comes to literature, it's just so much fun because it's just talking about what they're doing, you know, what they do well, what they don't do, and pulling the things that are good from it. So anyway, that was it. That was the last coffee. Yes, okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.